This is Andrew Hall. You're listening to Dead Hand Radio, a podcast about the Cold War, its history, and the effects it had on our culture, technology, and the future of our world. On this episode of Dead Hand Radio, Numbers Stations, with my guest Andy Esri. Andy is a musician and a fellow podcaster who I met through Twitter. We were introduced through some mutual friends and found out we had some common interests, including the topic of this episode. Andy's also produced some fantastic podcast intros, and here's a promo for his work. Have you been thinking about starting a podcast? Whether it's for business or pleasure, one of the most important things that helps your podcast stand out is a great podcast intro. A well-made intro is an audio logo that your audience will connect with and sets the tone for your show. My name is Andy Ussery, and I can help your podcast stand out from the rest. Sure, you can go and buy some royalty-free generic music and do a voiceover yourself, but for the same price, I will create a unique piece of music created exclusively for your show with a great-sounding voiceover. You can hear my work on podcasts such as Podcasts from Another World, Back in Time Podcast, and Land of the Creeps Horror Movie Podcast. Email me at usreyand at gmail.com. That's U-S-S-E-R-Y-A-N-D at gmail.com. And I will help you create a great intro. This is a topic I've wanted to cover for quite some time. In this episode, my guest Andy and I get into some interesting theories and share some fascinating facts about what number stations are, their history, who uses them, and how. And are they still in use today? We also share some recordings of the most cryptic number stations broadcasts available. By the end of our conversation, one thing is certain. There's a lot that is known about number stations, but there's also a lot that is still unknown about them. And we're no closer to the truth about these mysterious broadcasts than we were before we started. However, it's my hope that by listening to this episode, some of you will learn something new and maybe get inspired to research the topic for yourself and see if you can come up with any new information or ideas about the subject. And with that, here's our talk on number stations. Welcome to Dead Hand Radio, Andy. Appreciate you being here, man. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on your show. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. So, yeah, um... Uh, so you and I first met through a couple of mutual acquaintances on Twitter. Uh, one of them being Evan and then also Phantom Dark Dave and then Randy uh, from here on Mars. Um, and all three of those guys seem like pretty decent dudes. Do you know those guys personally? Um, so I've met Dave and Randy. I mean, I know Randy uh, even before uh, he was here on Mars but we were in a band together called me and my shadow and did some, did some cool play, you know, played some cool music through that. And uh new Dave, uh, whenever I was doing my podcast, uh, black Hat shadow, haven't actually met Evan. I don't think I've actually been on a podcast episode with him either. I think we've just kind of talked a little bit back and forth over Twitter, but yeah, I would love to be on an episode with Evan sometime, talk to him, but yeah, they're all three cool guys. Uh, I've actually went down to Texas and met Dave once uh, face-to-face, and he came up here to stay with me for a weekend, and we hung out, and Randy got to, you know, come hang out with us too because me and Randy both live in 
the Kansas city area. So, um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I've been able to, I've been able to hang out with Randy a lot and, and Dave a couple of times. So it's been great. Right on. And then, yeah, we'll have to get Evan to do a podcast with you, man. Cause number one, he needs to do more podcasting period. You hear me, Evan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think he listens to this podcast, but can't be sure. But yeah, he, he should definitely have you on because you, you and him seem to have quite a bit in common. Yeah, that'd be great. And so in communicating on Twitter, you and I discovered that we both have an interest in something called number stations. And uh, I didn't know a lot about it before this podcast, and I'm still no expert, but I certainly know a whole lot more about it now than I did before. And I'm interested or I'm excited to share some of that information with the listeners. But uh, before I get into what I found out, would you mind telling the listeners what number stations are? Sure. Yeah. And actually uh, bringing up Randy again, he's the one that first kind of like told me about number stations back when we were recording music in our band. I think there was one song where we actually incorporated like a number station recording in the background or something. So um, so that, you know, kind of got me interested in, you know, researching more about number stations. And, um, so that was kind of like my first introduction. And then there was this movie that I watched called the Banshee chapter. And it's, a, it was, it kind of dealt more with the MK ultra experiments, but, um, it had, it did have like a, this phantom radio station that would pop in and like, you would have weird voices on there. So that, that was another thing that kind of got me interested. And so I, here and there, I've kind of like, you know, looked up to see you know what they're what they're all about but basically they're just like these uh shortwave radio transmissions like shortwave radio is basically like a uh i don't know if it's like a ham radio like a radio that ham operators use i guess so but it's basically like a really powerful radio that you can tune into radio stations or transmissions from all over the world basically and so like a lot of times uh the shortwave radio operators they'll discover these weird uh, radio stations that are just like it may start off with like music a little piece of music and then they'll have a voice come on and like just say a, a set of numbers or words and then the same music will play to kind of end it and uh, so there's so that's kind of what a number station is really I mean it's it's just like a, a you know we don't really exactly know what they're uh, specifically used for but you know the theories are that they are used uh to transmit codes from like a government agency um to like their you know spies or their operatives in like a foreign country and it's and it's uh, it is an older technology but i think it's one where it's it's effective because you really can't trace back where the transmission came from or where it went to um, so I think that makes it really good as far as like security, like, and, and I think, you know, with the codes they use, um, are like, I don't think anybody or there, you know, there's been very few cases, if any, where the code has actually been cracked. I think, um, I don't know, Andrew, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I know that they are really good at using, uh, like the one time pads or whatever, like the notepads that have the, the, the the spies out in the field, they'll have like a number pad and they'll basically use that to translate whatever code is being transmitted over the radio signals. So, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Um, the uh, so the the number stations they are effective. Uh, they were extremely effective in World War II and in, during the Cold War. They were they were widely adopted by all the intelligence agencies um, to distribute those codes to their agents in the field. And what the agents would do is they would hear that transmission, which is just a short, you know, one or two minute long message with a repeated um, series of numbers. And, and then they would look at this one time pad, which was basically a cipher. They would decipher that code and then they would destroy that one time pad. And that's, that's why they were virtually unbreakable. Um, now that as far as I know, they've, nobody has ever cracked a numbers, um, code, a numbers broadcast because all it is, unless you have that cipher, all it is is a series of numbers and there's no way to attach those numbers to a particular word or a particular letter for that matter. So there's really no way to, to uh, deconstruct that code unless you have that, unless you have that codex or, or that cipher. So they are, they are effective. And in fact, uh, you said that they're kind of a old technology. And in fact, they first, um, they first found their use in world war one. It was used on a limited basis during world war one, which was only a few years after the shortwave radio was even invented. So it's almost as, as soon as the radio was invented, they figured out a way to use it to transmit coded information. And uh, I think that uh, to me, that's a pretty interesting fact that any technology, it, it almost seems like they invented the technology for that use. It, it would seem like it. That's not exactly the case. I'm just, my conspiracy yeah. brain goes to that, but it's almost seems like they invented the radio so that they could distribute coded messages over a long distance without interruption. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know that, you know that like military, uh, uh, you know, the military experiments come up with like a lot of the technology that we use today. So that definitely makes a lot of sense. Like they're saying how, Hey, how can we, how can we send messages, you know, these coded messages? And then they come up with, you know, radio frequencies and, and a radio. <laughs> so it wouldn't surprise me. Well, almost, almost instantly after they discovered the use of radio waves to send transmit signals, they come up with a way to send coded messages. And yeah, there's no way to intercept those or, or to stop those from broadcasting because you have to know where the source is. And like you said, there, there is a way to target the source, but it's very difficult. And when it, when it first came out, it was impossible to do it because you have to have, all this um, this detection equipment, and you have to triangulate it from three different angles. So you have to kind of know. Um, you have to have an idea of where the source is transmitting from, and then you have to use all this high tech equipment to triangulate where it's coming from. There is one website that I found that actually discovered where a lot of these number stations existed. 
but uh, and those are no longer in existence. A lot of them have have gone out of existence. But the weird thing is, they're still in use to this day, even though the Cold War ended twenty something years ago, thirty almost thirty years ago. Uh, these number stations are still in in use, and from one article that I read, there has recently been an uptick in the use in the number of uses uh, in of these uh, of these number stations, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, and, and that's one thing I think about is um, okay. So we know that possibly, you know, most likely that these were first invented by government agencies to send coded messages to their operatives. But what about like, I'm um, so not, but then that made me think of, well, is there other groups of people that may like use this technology for their own purposes? And I'm thinking of like, you know, like crime organizations or something like that, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there's some kind of like criminal activity that's happening, you know, using these messages too. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thought. I didn't even think about that, but, it would seem logical that they would use this kind of uh, technology because again, it's virtually untraceable. It's unbreakable. It's, it's, you know, it's impossible to break those codes. So, yeah. um, Another thing that I found out that was uh, interesting is that militaries don't only use it on foreign soil. So they will transmit like in, in the 90s, or maybe it was the 80s, but anyway, the Russian military would transmit from uh, number stations, they would transmit broadcasts into Russia, from Russia into Russia. So they were transmitting, instead of picking up the phone and you know one base commander calling another base commander, they would be sending signals via number stations because it's such a secure way of of transmitting data. Uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it would totally make sense for the mafia or, you know, other types of organized crime to, to use this type of technology because the, the broadcasting equipment is a little bit of it, you know, it's a little expensive, but the receiving information or the receiving the receiver itself is a very low tech piece of equipment that's very inexpensive. It's just a radio, just a radio receiver, you know, that uh, that can pick up on a on certain bandwidths. Yeah, and no, I guess I guess it's mainly just shortwave. I'm, yeah. I'm assuming is that right? Yeah. Now I I did read some um, instances where the BBC would broadcast uh, coded messages. But that's not technically a number station. That's a broadcast station. Um, but there are instances where it is the, 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 the same technology of encoding messages and broadcasting them over the radio has been used. But primarily what we're talking about, numbers stations, those are typically shortwave only. And the reason shortwave uh, is because it's a broader... Uh, a broader scope of the bandwidth and you can reach farther. You can transmit farther using shortwave. It sounds counterintuitive, but the way shortwave works is they bounce it off the ionosphere and they can continuously bounce 
that signal and reach all the way around the world. So you could transmit coded messages from the U.S. to a target within the Soviet Union and vice versa. That's why the shortwave uh, is so effective. And I'm no radio expert, man. This is stuff, all stuff that I've learned in the last 24 hours. So if I'm <laughs> wrong and somebody wants to correct me, feel free to email. You can even call me up and have a discussion on this podcast in the future if you want to. That's interesting. Like, I wonder how they even came up with that, like to know that you can bounce the radio signals off of the atmosphere or whatever. You know, that's just, that's really interesting. Yeah, it is. It's fascinating. But it's just, you know, it's a bunch of geeks sitting around in their garage playing around with these cool new technological devices and figuring out how, you know, how do these things work and, and what's the, what's the most efficient way to use it. I mean, I, I was surprised to find out that the radio was invented, I think in 1906. So it was even, you know, the telephone was invented before the the radio and yeah. The telegram was invented before the radio. So like, I guess that makes sense because sending invisible transmissions through the air basically uh, is a little more complicated or maybe it's a little harder to figure out than connecting a wire from one end or one transmitter to another, trans to another receiver and transmitting um, conversations through wires. Yeah, I, I I would I would think so. I mean, yeah, just the transmission of a signal, you know, over over a, a medium, you know, that's kind of came along with the invention of electricity, probably. But um, but then you know, with like you said, like just sending it over the air, that takes a little bit more thought mm -hmm. to figure out how that would work. <laughs> yeah, supposedly Tesla had figured out a way to send electricity that way too. Yeah, I, that's what I heard too. That that, that guy is really fascinating. I, I haven't really studied too much about him, but just hearing the bits and pieces that I have, it's just like, man, that guy, he really, you know, he like if, and I don't know his story. I don't know like exactly what happened to him or whatever, but apparently it seems like his technology was just like kind of like covered up by the government possibly. I don't know. That seems to be the theory, the 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 popular theory was that um, he died of natural causes and he was uh, an, he was older when he died, but he had a bunch of papers that were never recovered. And so they, the theory is that the U S government came in, uh, took all of the papers that, you know, from, from his, years of or his decades of work that he had consolidated and they actually it is documented that the u.s government came in and, and confiscated those papers um oh wow but uh and i'm going off of memory and i'm not an expert on tesla but um from what i remember they made copies of the majority of his work or they made copies of all of it and then they handed it over to his home country which uh was somewhere i think he was austrian serbian he was serbian um 
And then, so the Serbian government now has a museum with all of his papers, but it's believed that the U.S. didn't give a, give back some of those some of those documents that were um, a little more sensitive. So yeah, yeah. Tesla is an interesting character, man. He invented a bunch of things that, to this day, we still don't see in production because they're so advanced. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like uh, electricity over the air, that would be awesome. I mean, yeah, free electricity, sure. unmetered electricity. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that would solve so many economical problems, but it would yeah. put the big energy companies out of business, and that's why they don't want that. Yeah, there's so many, so many of those things, inventions, or technologies that have been created that they've just, you know, I've heard stories of companies or big you know, conglomerations where we're buying these inventions and just shelving them Mm -hmm. because they don't want them out there because they'll put them out of business. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine if you had a car that could run on water, what would that do to the oil business? (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, or if you had a car that would run forever, that never needed maintenance, you know, you'd never have to go to, uh, you never have to buy another car for one thing. So the dealerships would all go out of business. You, you never have to take it to a mechanic. So there's no aftermarket business for that industry. It would just crumble the, you know, a, an entire industry would go under. Now, whether or not that's good or bad for the future of our society, I can't say. Seems like in the short term, it would be pretty disruptive. But in the long term, I think a lot of a lot more people would benefit from it than would be hurt by it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, yeah, I can see, I can, I can see the side. Okay. would disrupt things and people would be out of jobs and that would be horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, at the same time, it would help the consumer. They just have to buy one car where, you know, not have to constantly buy fuel, expensive fuel. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the, yeah, the oil industry, that's, that's probably a topic for another day, but you know, just in a nutshell, it's like, yeah, it would probably benefit the whole planet if that just went away. <laughs> yeah, and we found another fuel source or or something, but yeah, it's 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 a complicated issue for sure. It certainly is, and it's it's pretty far away from number stations. But I, as I mentioned um, previously, this is a multi-tentacled topic that goes into many, many different areas. And it's, it's hard to stop. Once you, once you go down a rabbit hole, you know, you start with number stations and you start looking around at what number stations are and leads you off into this little rabbit hole over here about when was the radio invented? Okay. That's hard not to go find out what that's all about, man. Cause you know, when I found out the radio, I'm going to look it up just to remind myself, but I think it was 1906. But uh, once I found out it was invented in the 20th century, you know, at the beginning of the 20th century, okay, maybe, maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe the shortwave radio was invented in the early 20th century because it says here the invention of the radio was in the 1890s. Oh, interesting. Okay. But uh, 
I'm sure it was uh, early 1900s, like 19 pre World War One, because they definitely used the number stations in World War One, and that's the first instance recorded instance that it was in use. Yeah, and uh, they were just kind of discovered by accident, right? I think. Yeah, yeah. Some some teenage kid who happened to be an Archduke of Austria, uh, you know, member of the royal family, was messing around with radio with his radio, um, and he discovered the the I think it was the British were transmitting Morse code over the radio, and that was the first documented instance of it um, being discovered. Um, I think there's still, there's still some uh, number stations still in, in operation today. Is that right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, in fact, I read one article that says that the, uh, the activity has picked up in recent years because uh, cell phone communications, internet, um, internet traffic is so heavily uh, monitored and you know you don't really have many landlines telephone landlines anymore so what's the one method that you can send and receive the encoded signals that's uninterruptible and impossible to decode it's the yeah. the shortwave radio broadcast yeah I've heard of, uh, yeah, I've heard about some of the, there's some that are interesting. Uh, there's one that even, like I said uh, in my description earlier, like some that a lot of them will have like a piece of music that kind of signals the start of a transmission. Um, and some of them use like other kind of, some of them use like audio clips from TV shows. Like there's one that uses a Yosemite Sam uh, clip from like the the Looney Tunes video uh, cartoons. So I, I thought that was really funny. Did you happen to uh, find a clip of that? Cause I, f- I heard about that. I read about it actually. And I was, I was digging all over the internet to find a clip of that, but I couldn't find it. Here, let me see. I, I've, I found one here. I don't know if you'll build it here or not. But... Crazy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, the thing about the, the recordings that you hear from the number stations, if you don't know what they are at first, they're both a little bit creepy and quite mysterious. You know, you, you think to yourself, like, what the heck is that? And I'm sure that the first, the first time people started to discover these, I'm talking about shortwave radio users who started to discover these um, these transmissions thought to themselves, what the heck am I hearing right now? Are these signals coming from outer space? Because some of them don't even have the voice, the audio. I mean, the, the voice recordings, they just use tonal uh, messages that can be decoded somehow. Did you find any of uh, anything like that when you were looking, looking at this stuff? Um, some that just have, you said some that just have tonal messages. Yeah. Yeah, so there is like a, there's actually like a, a Russian one from Russia, 
they call it the buzzer. Mm, yeah, heard and, about that. Uh, read about that one. Yeah, it's just like uh let's see here. It's just like kind of like sends out this buzzing noise repeatedly. Um and it's been going since uh 1982, but it's like still continuously kept up even through like the the uh oh like the fall of the Berlin, you know, the fall of the Soviet Union and stuff. It even survived all that. Um, let's see here. It said, um, you know, even since the year 2000, it's become even more active um, and the message is more and more frequent. Um, yeah, some people think that the transmission is a, a nuclear fail safe set up by the USSR, which I don't know how that would work, but uh, so interesting, man. That is what I named my podcast after. Oh, the dead, yeah, dead hand, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Soviet um, nuclear deterrence to the SDI program. Um, it's it's called its official name is called the Perimeter Project or Operation Perimeter. And it was nicknamed the dead hand because if somebody, if, if the U.S. attacked the Soviet Union and wiped out the leadership so that nobody was able to retaliate, this computer would, uh, would initiate a, a program that would launch all the entire remaining arsenal of the Soviet Union and wipe out the rest of the world. That's oh wow. That's what I named the podcast after the dead hand. <laughs> <laughs> but how would a radio signal um be connected with that? I, the only thing that I can think of is if that broadcasting station ceased to exist, then the radio signal, the absence of the radio signal could be a trigger mechanism for the perimeter or the operation or the perimeter project to go into effect. Yeah, because and that makes sense because uh, in this article I found, they said that in 2010, a group of explorers actually, they were, uh, let's see here. They were in this Russian. Okay. Uh, they, they went to the remote Russian town of Povo Rovo. I don't know. I thought probably not pronouncing that right, but, uh, they found a military bunker that that signal was trans, has been transmitted with for, for over 30 years, but it was abandoned, of course, except for a, they had they found a ledger there with basically like a, a log of all the messages from the Russian military. Um, but and and the weird thing is the signal um, has is still even though they found that transmission source like and I guess they they took the equipment or whatever took everything out of there, but the signal came back from somewhere else and now it's still transmitting even today. So that's kind of interesting. You know, what's interesting um, that you said that there was a period of time where the see from what I read, the dead hand is actually a myth. There's no direct evidence, no documentation that it exists. There's only eyewitness testimony that it exists and some intel that was recovered. But after the collapse of the Soviet Union, 
supposedly the dead hand was no longer in existence. It still existed, but it was disbanded. But in recent years, because of because of the uncertainty between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, they have reactivated the program. Now, this oh, is all speculation. There, there's yeah. no documented evidence of this, but this is what I've read that it's back in effect, and it could be the that it, originally it was at that location when it was disbanded. Um, they discontinued it, but then they moved it to a different location and started it back up. Not the, not the, uh, the um, computer. It's a supposedly a central computer system that uh, is activated by the annihilation of the Soviet leadership or the Russian leadership now. But the what I'm talking about is the transmission of that signal. That's if they are connected in any way. So it's a good conspiracy theory. It would make a good yeah. story, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you happen to have a an example or a sample of that uh, the buzzer station? All right, here we go. Let's see here. That's so bizarre. It's almost like a pulse. Yeah, exactly. And it sounds electrical. It sounds like electricity buzzing through the the system. Yeah, it, that's so interesting. Yeah, the the these number stations are. Um, there, there's certainly, you know, I read this one article that said that they're not mysterious. They're not even creepy. They're just, they're people working for their government, doing their daily routine. Hmm. But, but to me, it seems like some of these number stations are automated where there's nobody even, nobody even transmitting. It's just a computer that's transmitting stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it seems like it's, it's just like totally automated, like, and a lot of the, you know, we, we say, you know, I say like people are reading off numbers on these stations, but a lot of the voices are like synthesized or, um, you know, like created by a computer. So there's not even really like a person uh, even behind it. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and right here would be a great spot to put a clip of an audio or a, 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 a spoken uh, sample. A sample of a spoken message. Oh yeah. If you happen to have one. Oh, uh, let's see here. Zero zero nine six two two five one two one one zero eight one zero five. Zero, zero, nine, six, two, two, five, one, two, one, one, zero, eight, one, zero, five, one, two, one, one, zero, eight, one, zero, five, one, two, one, one, zero, eight, one, zero, five, one, two, one, one, zero, eight, one, zero,
eight, yeah, one, yeah. So zero, it's <laughs> crystal clear, yeah. and it sounds like a human, but yeah. zero, we, we, we can't really tell eight. for sure. But uh, you, did you notice how it repeats itself after, uh, a, you know, a t- I think it was the third sequence of numbers, it re- started to repeat itself again? Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, so definitely a pattern there. Yeah. And maybe it's just so... Yeah, so and maybe it's just so if they miss the beginning, they can hear it again or something. Or yeah, I, I, that was one of the things that I was really curious to find out. And you know, there, I, I did f- come across a website that has a software program that uh, allows you to listen in on shortwave broadcasts. Oh, cool. And you can actually tune the 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 stations to different uh, to different channels, um, but the problem is, you know, you have to know when these broadcasts are going out because they don't go out twenty four seven. They go out at specific times, and then you have to know which uh, which channel they're actually broadcasting on because they change the channels. Sometimes they don't always broadcast from the same, um, the same designation. I'm not sure what that's called, but they changed that the channel that it's broadcast on. So man, supposedly it's easy to listen in on these things in real time, but I couldn't figure it out. Huh? Yeah. It'd be interesting to try out. Yeah. I, I've heard about the uh, like the shortwave radio apps that you can find online. I haven't actually tried it out for myself, but that would be that. Yeah, it looks like it's pretty complicated the the process. <laughs> I was just kind of looking around at the different apps that they have, and uh, but yeah, there's a yeah. there's a yeah. website in Sweden that has the the app that I'm talking about. It's dedicated to this, but uh, again, it doesn't list the times or the channels that these stations are broadcasting. So you have to kind of go through and dial in the, the channel that you want to listen to. And then whether or not somebody's broadcasting on that channel, you don't even know. Yeah. I, uh, I sent you a link to that number station uh, research uh, website. And I yeah. think, that uh, was an interesting channel. Yeah, don't, I think they have like some kind of database where they kind of log all the different numbers stations. And I was wondering if they actually have the recordings of of them on there. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the uh, on the um, it was called numbers-stations.com, wasn't it? Yeah. They had a link to, well, no, this the, it was another article that I found that had a link to this this website called Pry I don't even know how to pronounce that, man. P r p r i y o m dot org forward slash number stations. Hmm, okay, and that has a a uh, couple of links to websites where you can find supposedly you can find broadcast um, uh, 
schedules. Um, but again, I'm so new to this stuff and I don't really, um, I need somebody, I, I actually need to come get somebody on the podcast that studies this stuff as a hobby to come on here and explain all these things to me. Oh man, yeah. What I, you know, what I learned in just a matter of 24 hours is enough to confuse me and anybody listening to me, <laughs> but hopefully it's enough to inspire somebody's curiosity enough that they'll go do some research on their own. Yeah. That's, it's, it's definitely something you could spend hours just like researching and, you know, trying to listen into different shortwave radio stations or frequencies. Definitely. Definitely. Like you said, your uh, interest started just because from a suggestion by a friend of yours who knew a little bit about it. And then, you know, you, you started studying it or doing a little bit of research about it. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, and you, and you kind of see it used some in like uh, film or TV shows and stuff. So, so I think there's definitely like people out there that are interested in this kind of thing and um, to include it in you, but it's not really like in mainstream pop culture, I would say, but, uh, but it's definitely something that's caught has caught people's interest. Yeah. It's, it's certainly not mainstream. And I think that might be on purpose because, uh, it's a technology that I don't really think the governments want to have openly in the, in the general population. So you don't see, you don't see it in a lot of movies or, you know, there, there are some books that have published some stories around these, um, these things, but, and there's only a handful of cases where people have been prosecuted in association or in connection with these number stations. So it's not, it, it, one, it could be that it's just not that interesting to the pop culture or two, there could be some, uh, some government interference that's keeping this from getting out into the pop culture because it is such a, uh, it's such an unbreakable technology. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of possibilities, you know, with it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess I could see why a government would want to kind of keep it more in the shadows and, um, not, not bring it to the attention of like the general public. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite obvious. They don't want, they don't want it to be common knowledge because they certainly don't talk about it that often. Uh, and incidentally, I found that that website that I was talking about that has the app for you to listen on the channels, the shortwave channels. Oh, okay. It's on the document that I shared. Oh with yeah, you. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. And um, were there so in your and your scanning of this topic in preparation for this episode of the podcast, did you come across any other recordings that you thought were 
interesting or stood out to you? I, I think the, the one that is the most interesting to me is that buzzer station. That one. Yeah. Because I, I did read as we were talking and I'm, I was reading while we we're talking, I read that uh, it was, it's not broadcast outside of Russia. It's broadcast from within Russia to inside of Russia. That's one of the, um, one of the stations that I was talking about that's broadcast from Russia into Russia. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that's, uh, that kind of goes along with the theory that we came up with that maybe it is connected to the doomsday device. <laughs> here's, here's another one. Uh, it's called the backwards music station slash well song. Uh, it says a number station consisting of weird tones and distorted voices. Okay, so whale song. It sounds. I guess it's supposed to sound like a whale. Uh, it says uh, the station eerily named with just an XM sounds like a distorted feedback-driven noise through which an altered voice can sometimes be heard. Um, they've determined that it's originating from from both you know, the U, the U.S. and England. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a, num- a number of different theories. Um, some people think it's just somebody making avant-garde art <laughs> others say the transmissions are uh instructions for drug cartels um there you go that's what you're talking about oh, yeah and then others just maintain that the station was established for government agents to receive coded messages um but yeah there's a, a youtube video linked in this article here let me see if it'll let me see if it'll play what it sounds like here So that's, that's weird. I, I, I agree, man. It's the, the weird thing is, okay, how do you decipher that? You know, what, what is on, on, on the receiver's end, how is he going to turn that into a message with instructions on what he's supposed to do? Yeah. I, good question. It's a, it's one of those things like, you know, the experts say it's not a mysterious topic, but there's so many questions, so many unanswered questions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, yeah, I've heard, you know, I was listening to some podcast, other podcasts talking about the number of stations just to kind of do some, get, you know, get some more research on it. And yeah, there, there's definitely the thinking that, oh, these are all just uh, government operated ways of sending coded messages but um but then you know it's like you hear some of these other ones that are just it's really strange and and it's like man could there just be could there be something else that they're used for so it's really it's really fun to and it's just a fascinating topic to think about for me like speculate you know and um uh you know one one is just one interesting thing like you know talking about technology and and uh 
so now with today's technology, you're wondering, uh, is there like a new evolution of number stations? Well, there's a YouTube channel called, uh, what's it called here? It's called WebDriver Torso, and it's posted over 77,000 videos, each one 11 seconds in length, and they just kind of have these different like uh, tones tone sounds that kind of like go around the different frequencies. Uh, but then uh, the picture is just like these blue and red rectangles and like geometric shapes. And uh, so, you know, there's definitely some theories around it. Like it's like another type of spy message system. But I think if I remember, I think I heard that Google actually came out and said it was just one of their, um, testing channels where they test out the system or something. I don't know. But, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely a conspiracy theorist to think there's more to it. So I don't know. That's a, there's a couple of channels that I've come across on YouTube that, uh, that do play music and they have some kind of animation going on. Uh, and they're supposedly to enhance your, your brain waves somehow they you know they'll have some that are um, supposed to increase your concentration or some of them will increase your relaxation and uh, so i've I've heard of those kind of um, YouTube channels, but like what you're talking about, if somebody was using that to send a signal, it seems like it would be traceable because the end user is going to have to know that that website is up or that, uh, that YouTube channel is up and all of that stuff is traceable. Well, I guess if you're using a VPN with a Tor browser, you could pretty much conceal your identity and your IP address that way. So, you know, you could access YouTube through, uh, through some type of encrypted access and, and get that signal. So that, that's a possibility, I guess. You just have to be savvy on how to protect your identity when you're using the internet. Right, yeah. But yeah, technology certainly does evolve, but it seems to me like this particular technology is over a hundred years old and it's still in use and it's still uncrackable you know yeah definitely yeah i mean it's it's effective i mean and that's so i mean i could see why they still use it yeah for sure yeah and there there are many other uh like you were saying that um you know, drug cartels and mafia could use it. Um, what are the types of clandestine, clandestine, how do you say that word? Clandestine? Uh, I think it's just like clandestine or yeah, something like that. Clandestine, maybe you're clandestine. Yeah. I think it's just clandestine. Clandestine. Okay, yeah, clandestine works. What other type of clandestine uh, uses could you see this type of application or this type of program? Um, yeah, I mean, 
maybe in a sense of where it's not necessarily like a code they're transmitting. Maybe they're just wanting to signal somebody to do something like, so they just play a, you know, when you hear this music, you know, to go somewhere or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, cause when you think about it, it's like in, with this medium, you can't, you can't, you're not transmitting a huge amount of data. It's just like, a, it's just going to be like a quick message, like of a few words or something, or maybe a sentence when you, you know, when you really think about it. So, <clears throat> so I'm trying to think of like what other uses could I have? Um, okay. Well, let's, let's take the tones the the tonal broadcast, for an example, you're a musician, so you understand certain tones equal a certain mathematical equation or something like that. Is that true? Um, like a tone is generated by a note and that note has a, a, a designation, either a letter or. Oh yeah. True. Yeah. So, so would you, would you be able to extrapolate like a, a series of letters or numbers from those kind of tones? Well, uh, come to think of it, cause so the, the musical scale goes from A to G, but if you take if you cut off the G and don't use the G, then that would actually fit into hexadecimal because hexadecimal uses uh, uh, the letters A through F to to signify, um, you know, bits. So, um, so that could be something. Um, Interesting, man. And I know. That- okay, now you <laughs> now you're coming up with some some technical stuff right here, <laughs> some science. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't, I, I I'm not like I don't know enough about hexadecimal to completely explain it like off the top of my mind, but here, but you know, with like binary, you know, binaries is ones and zeros. And yeah. you and you have that. Well, hexadecimal kind of it goes from one through yeah, it goes from one through nine and then A through F. And so mm-hmm. I think yeah, I, I'm not even going to try to explain it, but I think that's basically the the range of what it uses. So it's like um, so anyway, and then the yeah. the length of the note could be part of the code too. Like if that note is one and three quarters of a second long, that could have a meaning uh, to the recipient as well. Right. Exactly. Or you you could even have like a certain rhythm, you know, to the notes or something like that. You could have like, like that buzzer thing. You could have an impulses of a certain uh, frequency or note. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there, uh, you know, you know, when you really think about it, I guess there could be some uses with the tones, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, which you could send a little bit more of a complex message using that type of a code. And also, it seems like if the person, the person receiving has enough training and understanding of what's being sent, which in this case they would, they wouldn't even need that one-time pad to decipher it. They would just need to know what what each note and how long each tone is. Well, I guess it, it would be best if you had the one-time pad uh, coupled with 
the message, the the encrypted message, because that way the message could be the same, but if the one-time pad, the decipher or the cipher is different, the message could mean something completely different. Yeah, definitely. And I just kind of had this idea, like if somebody had a, a, like a guitar tuner and that, you know, that'll operate with just the microphone. You don't have to like have anything hooked into the tuner. It'll just, if you just play the, the transmission, the tones to the guitar tuner, it'll tell you what note it is. So that could be kind of wow. interesting too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so if, if somebody didn't know, didn't have the ear training for, um, to tell what the note was by ear, they could use like a tuner or something like that. You know, there are whole groups of people that devote endless hours to trying to figure out what these things are. And, there, there have been some, some instances where people believe they've cracked codes. Personally, I don't think they've done it because I, I don't think you could do it without having the cipher um, or the key code or whatever, you know, that, that one-time pad is, is called. Uh, but there are certainly societies and communities and groups of people. There was one website. Oh, the website that you told me about, numbersstations.com. Uh, they have a Discord server that if people are interested, they could jump on there and start interacting with a group of people that are interested in this stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and with fair warning, man, this is a rabbit hole that goes into so many different areas. I mean, you could be, you could find yourself, you know, two, three weeks of lost time and still scratching your head, not understanding uh, the first thing about it. <laughs> yeah. But it's certainly a fascinating topic, man. Something that, um, you know, I've had an interest in it for years. I've just never really sat down and dug into it like I did over the past day, day or two. Yeah, it's one of those things I've, you know, just kind of heard about in passing. But yeah, once you kind of, and I think I think that's what like a lot of people, they may just kind of hear about it and they go, oh, it's just, it's just, uh, somebody saying numbers over a radio transmission, but then, yeah, when you really start digging into it, there's, there's more to it, a lot more to it than that. Yeah. <clears throat> so with, um, <clears throat> with that, I, I don't really have a lot more to talk about on number stations. Yeah. And no, I think we covered it. I mean, we, we went pretty exhaustive on the topic, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, for as limited as my knowledge is on the topic, uh, I think you brought a lot to the conversation and made it a pretty interesting conversation. And I, what I hope is that uh, the conversation will inspire somebody to go out there and dig into it and learn more about it. And if somebody else is interested in coming on and talking with me, or if you want to come back and do a group conversation with somebody else on this topic or other topics, you're always welcome to join me. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me on here. I was a uh, pure pleasure. Uh, yeah. It's a really fascinating topic and had a lot of fun just like speculating and talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of speculation, not a lot of fact. I mean, we did share some facts, but uh, I think the speculation part of it was Super interesting for me anyway. Hopefully listeners will feel the same way. Yeah, for sure. 
And uh, so with that, if you don't have anything else, Andy, I'm going to go ahead and end this podcast episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. And say, simply say, thanks for coming on Dead Hand Radio. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, Andrew, thanks for having me on. I'm, I really appreciate the, the opportunity to come on and, and talk to you about this. Cool. All right. Well, I hope to have you on again in the future, man. Yeah, definitely. All right, then. Talk to you later, my man. All right. Dead Hand Radio is a podcast about the Cold War, its history, and the effects it had on our culture, technology, and the future of our world. My goal is to examine these and other topics and guide listeners and guests of the show on a journey of mind-expanding contemplation to learn, to educate, to entertain, and exchange ideas with those interested. So join me, and together we'll explore a fascinating period of history and examine some incredible advancements in weapons, technology, science, art, and culture, and discuss how all of it relates to the future of our world. If you or someone you know has knowledge about the Cold War or any other topics we discuss on this program, please get in touch and let's talk. It could be a great conversation for a future episode, and I'm especially interested to talk with anyone who has first-hand knowledge of these topics. If you have questions or comments, drop me an email or visit deadhandradio.com. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Dead Hand Radio is part of the SIP Network, a group of high-energy, positive-minded individuals providing a resource for listeners with a variety of podcasts from entertainment and education to motivation and inspiration for your daily routine. Visit sipnet.us and learn more about these excellent podcasts. I'm Andrew Hall, and this is Dead Hand Radio. Thanks for listening.